Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. solid piece over there at National Review. There's no appeasing transgender activists. And that's accurate. Just like in, in, in many ways, there's no actually appeasing the, the activists in general. If, if the objective is the, the call it the revolution, However you want to describe it, if that's if that's the objective, if that's the purpose, if that's the goal, then the thing has to keep going. The anger has to keep moving. It's just the way it's got to be. There, there's actually no other way that it can be. Guys, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, that's the name of the show. Good uh, to be with you. The phone number, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. It's from Madeline Kearns, uh, and it's... It is it is a smart piece in that it's it's recognizing this incredible issue that the transgender activist not only doesn't want to stop, but the transgender activist, sorry for whoever may very well be insulted, wants to get violent and actually is getting violent. We're seeing this. We're seeing this everywhere. It was violent, by the way, when you said, well, if you use the wrong pronoun, uh, you, you're guilty of a crime. If you use the wrong pronoun, you should go to jail. Um, it, it's, 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 worse, it's worse than anything else you could possibly do. Well, none of that is true. Compelling speech is worse than anything else you can do. Telling somebody they have to say something? Never mind that you shouldn't say something. You have to say something? That's immoral and obscene. That's disgusting. That's, that's flat out horrific. And of course, because these things have been going uh, down the road that they've been going on, no one should be surprised that you get to a, a unique part two conversation where you have people that are now choosing to identify as being handicapped. They're choosing to identify as somebody who has some issues so they, they can get attention and B, you're seeing this uh, for, for opportunity. Why not? Why not? This brings us to the importance of what is uh, HR 734, which is the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, an act that people like Megan Rapino of the U.S. women's soccer team and Sue Bird, uh, a WNBA player, were so radically opposed to. And then most re recently, uh, former Russian jailbird Brittany Griner 
Let me bring in the one and only uh, Representative Kat Kamek of, of Florida, who uh, is my all-time uh, favorite from the Florida 3rd District. You just finished up a farm tour, which we're going to get into uh, and, and talking about these issues, but you did vote for the protection of women in sports. In the state of Florida, Representative, what is it that you're hearing from from families? What are you hearing from moms? What are you hearing uh, from from these girls? And what is your argument to the people who tell you that trans kids just want to play? Tony, good to see you. And uh, I'm glad that I've been upgraded from your second favorite to your fave. So that's progress. For now. For now. <laughs> we'll see how it goes today. Stop, stop. You love me. You love me. Uh, no, it's it's to me common sense. Think about this. We have fought for how many years, how many generations uh, for women to have the opportunity to to play, um, to partake in sports. Heck, I remember when I was in high school, uh, I wanted to join the golf team. And they told me that I wasn't allowed to join the golf team because I was a girl. And so they had to start one because I had raised my hand and said, hey, I want to golf. And, you know, back in the day, I was playing basketball, I was playing volleyball, I was playing softball, I was a multi-sport athlete. And um, even in the early 2000s, there still wasn't equal boys and girls sports. So um, the fact that we are now to this point where we've gone backwards, right? Uh, I call it clown world. It's, it's now at a point in time where we've been yelled at for God knows how many years to follow the science. And all of a sudden we're saying, hey, biologically, these boys have completely different bone structures, muscular structures, uh, hormones, all these things. And it is a one unfair advantage, but two, it's dangerous. Look no further than... Um, what has happened in MMA. Look at what has happened in volleyball. There was recently a volleyball player who took a spike right to the face and was concussed as a result. And it was a trans uh, player who was able to do that. I mean, it's just, it's just wholly unfair. It's not right. And while I don't have kids yet, if I have a daughter in the future, I want her playing against girls, not boys dressed as girls. And it, listen, I'm very libertarian in the sense that if that's what you want to do with your life, that is your call. No government, no one should be able to tell you otherwise. But when you start infringing on other people's rights, that's when we have to draw the line. Should, should government be able to engage a whoa 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 you can't do that when we're talking about children because i'd be with you on adults adults being able to make that call whether i understand it or not is completely inconsequential children seems to be a different subject yeah, yeah. no if you want as an adult if you want to dress up or you know whatever you want to do that's your call i think you know that's that's you know the beauty of america but for kids that's the whole thing you know if you're in school, and particularly if you're in public school, which is funded with taxpayer dollars, I think we have an obligation to uphold Title IX. And when you look at the university system, where Title IX has protected women's sports like basketball, uh, golf, volleyball, you name it, it's been covered. And now we're having conversations about women um, now having to compete against men it's wrong. It's just wrong. I mean, I think uh, I go back to this. I feel like I'm living in clown world where all of a sudden we're the ones who are um, somehow doing something bad because we're protecting women's sports. It's crazy. Um, you know, I had this conversation with my mom. And I said, you know, when I was up growing up playing all these sports as a kid, 
you know, did you ever think that I would be playing against boys? And she's like, well, you know, at some point, it's no longer just fun, it's competitive. And when you're a competitive athlete, it can be dangerous. And so many of these women are learning firsthand what it means when you're having to compete against a man and it's not ending well. It, it, it also, it, part of this seems to be, it really does seem to blow up a feminist doctrine uh, that uh, uh, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, the famous Gloria Steinem uh, line. Like somehow it is it is this insulting thing to recognize that there are indeed physical differences between us. And if there are indeed physical things uh, differences between us, well, then there is such a thing as a woman. There is such a thing as a man. And biologically, you can make that difference. So how much of this is being fought because if it's not fought, there is a lot of destruction to many, many years of what we were told was feminist thought. Mm. Well, think about the fact that, you know, not to go in a hard, hard right direction here, but this NIL discussion that we're having right now in Congress, right, name, image, and likeness, where collegiate athletes can be compensated for their name, image, and likeness as it's being used to promote sports. There is an effort, a real effort underway to, one, unionize student athletes um, to make them employees of the college, which I think would be a disaster, and then also um, to do a revenue-sharing model. The revenue-sharing model would obliterate women's sports as we know it. Literally, the only two sports that would survive a revenue-sharing model within collegiate athletics would be men's football and men's basketball. And so right. the discussion that we're having uh, in one room, I hear from those on the left screaming at the top of their lungs, we have to protect women's sports. We have to protect women's sports. And then I go down a few floors and I'm having a conversation with the <laughs> leftists and they're saying, we need to allow transgender individuals to play in women's sports. And I'm thinking, am I taking crazy pills? Am I the crazy one here? Well, the, the answer is... It's their agenda. It, the answer is maybe you are the crazy one here, talking to Representative Kat Kamek of Florida, the, the Florida 3rd District. But this is part of, of, of where I was going. So much of this conversation seems to be... Uh, I mean, it, if, if we're going to define misogyny in any which way... This would be it. There is a real hatred for women that comes out of this movement. What I have not been able to square the circle on is why does it come in so many places, certainly not every place, from other women? Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, again, I mean, I just I, it's like that example I was just telling you about, you know, I'm talking to people in one room and, you know, the, the conversations about NIL and how we have to protect women's sports. And then you go to the next room on the exact same day and those exact same people come in here and then they yell at you that you're not standing up for all women. Well, I can define a woman. <laughs> Some people can't. Um, and and God bless them. In the South, we would say, bless your heart. Um, but it's just, this is why I keep saying this is clown world. And ultimately, Tony, I think this is designed to distract us from what's really going on, right? We're fighting these culture wars, which sometimes I just feel are not silly, but I, it's like you have to ask yourself, how did we get here? And then you step back and you realize the entire destruction of the Constitutional Republic is at stake. Like the, the destruction yeah. is happening in front of us. 
and they're distracting us with shiny objects over here. Meanwhile, splend, uh, you know, spending money, you know, driving everything into the ground, making people dependent on big government. And it is uh, sometimes you have to wonder, like, is this by design? Like, are they are they punking us? You know, I, I, I guess as a millennial, I, I still, you know, believe in the whole punking thing. Oh, no, no, no. So do the rest of us, millennial oh. or, or, or not. Talking to Representative Kat Kamek, you can find her at Kamek, C-A-M-M-A-C-K, Kamek.house.gov. Uh, from uh, your website, from one of your press releases, Congresswoman yeah. Kat Kamek hosts bipartisan farm bill listening session in Florida's third with the House Agriculture uh, Committee. Uh, people forget the level of farming that takes place in 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 Florida, specifically in in that dairy world, most people think uh, of just citrus. Um, but you did a tour. You've been doing this for the past month because we've been trying to 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 get together for the past uh, thirty days yeah. to discuss this. Yeah. Talk to me about what the listening tour is. What are you hearing from farmers? Is it industry specific on the farming or on the ranching? Uh, and is it about our economic state? Is it about a competition issue? What is what presents issue to our farmers today? So, like you said, and, and Tony, you hit it right on the the head there. Nobody really thinks of Florida as a massive ag state. They think of Florida and they think beaches, palm trees, Disney, and oranges. Maybe you know sometimes. Um, so, when you think about Florida agriculture, we have over three hundred specialty crops. Uh, we're top three in cow calf production in the country. Um, number one in citrus crops, number one in snap peas, watermelons. Um, we do an insane amount of, of peanuts, dairy, as you mentioned. We're number one in uh, 10 different aquaculture categories. It, uh, we are a massive, massive ag state. Uh, we actually feed over 150 million Americans annually. So when we talk about agriculture, we're talking not just about the livelihood of our state. It's the number two economic driver right behind tourism. And some years when tourism is down, it's number one. We're talking about national security. We're talking about the fact that a nation that cannot feed itself is not secure. And we're in a moment in time where people are starting to say, hey, maybe we should import our food. That to me is terrifying. So Number one thing I'm hearing from all of our producers across the state, and Tony, you know this, Florida's like four states put together, right? It's like South Florida's really like North Cuba, you know, and then, you know, the panhandles like South Alabama, uh, Florbama, you know, as people call it. In my neck of the woods, it could technically be like South Georgia, but don't tell Buddy Carter that. He'll lose his mind. Um, <laughs> you know, we have a hodgepodge in Florida, but it's, it's everything that you would hear in other parts of the country. It's the labor issues. It's the lack of mechanization. It's the regulatory environment, which is absolutely killing our producers. Uh, things like WOTUS. It's the high diesel prices. It's the cost of uh, inputs like fertilizers. Um, the fact that you have China, which has suspended nitrogen exports, and Belarus and Russia, which are the, the world's leader when it comes to potash and phosphate. These are all things that drive up the cost of our food in the grocery store. Right, and, and the, the potash and the phosphate is, is a fertilizer conversation, and WOTUS is Waters of the United States, yeah. which is about how 
these farmers get to control how they're going to actually uh, handle the land. And this is about the federal government trying to get in the way of how you water your own crops or how you take care of your own livestock with water that's on your own property. And this is uh, there's this continued fight. Uh, is there something uh, that you're hearing from the farmers, specifically Representative Kamek, that they're saying to you, if we don't change X, the result's going to be catastrophic? Um, in Florida, I think it, the, there's one thing that is separate from the rest of the country. Um, in Florida, we have been um, pretty damaged by trade deals. So there's a thing called a seasonal or perishable provision. And I don't want to get too far in the weeds. That's my pun of the day. So, Tony, I hope you're smiling. Um, but one of <laughs> so one of the things that our farmers and ranchers here in the Sunshine State are absolutely desperate for is a seasonal or perishable provision, which would allow us to sell our crops here domestically. I'll use blueberries as an example. Florida produces 40% of all of America's blueberries. They're in season right now. They're harvesting. And what's happening is Mexico, which has taken the exact same varieties that have been developed using taxpayer dollars, they have been stolen and they grow that same variety in Mexico, basically paying slave labor wages, not abiding by the same regulatory regime that we have to. And then they export that crop, that harvest, and they dump it on Florida's market, bottoming out our prices. So our farmers cannot sell their produce for the same price that the Mexican farmers can because the, it's totally inequitable. And so because of NAFTA and subsequently USMCA, there was no protection that was there. So everyone talks about free trade, but free trade should also be fair. And when people are harvesting in America for $23 an hour and they're paying $23 a day in Mexico, where do you think that's going to come from? Right. And so all the environmentalists who say, oh, we need to, you know, get rid of all the farms and ranches and all that, and that they're bad for the environment. That is such horse crap. You and I both know that. I clean that up for you, just for you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so you didn't have to bleep me out, but think about this. People we're gonna we're gonna think about this in one second. Stay right there, Representative Kat Kamek. We're gonna get much more into this uh, subject. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz.